ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. God's going down. God's stepping up. That's what football's all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Brian Kelly just blamed Notre Dame's fifth loss on Kanye. Tennessee's logo upside down looks like back-to-back L's. Somehow, Clemson is 7-0, and life is pretty good. Guys, that game, we had that one all along, right? Oh, yeah, from the get-go. You just knew we came out, we looked sharp, and uh, yeah, we weren't going to look back. Yeah, strong performance from the start to the finish. (laughs) Uh, No, in reality, um, obviously lucky to come out of that one with a win. I mean, my, my main observation here initial reaction is that was really a Murphy's Law game. We've seen sort of a couple of those, but nowhere really I can remember in the last two plus years did we come that close to losing where I had, I was convinced we were going to lose a game. Um, and, you know, we played a desperate opponent, give NC State credit. I mean, they, they seem like a pretty well-coached, talented team. Well, the ACC Atlantic was on the line. We didn't talk a lot about that coming into this game, but NC State didn't have any losses in conference. Yeah, they they were uh, looking good in the S and P ratings too. Like a very strong defense, a a good offense with playmakers, some of which we recruited. So that's the one thing we didn't even do any type of preview for them. And around Clemson, I think no one really properly estimated or calibrated for how good NC State was. Even around the country, I don't think. Um, And you mentioned it, Tully. That is. The closest we've come to really losing a game, national championship game aside, for me, that's the most scared. I mean, it really came down. We were going to lose that game and came down to that last field goal. And this one I wouldn't have been able to accept. The national championship game, of course, I can accept. I walked out of that stadium in Glendale, and I was at peace with it. This game, it would not have been the same thing. There was celebration at the end and, and, you know, whatever, take it in, celebrate it. You know, you, you came through in a, in a clutch moment. You know, you, when it came down to winning time and OT, the team stepped up. But if we lose that game, it, there's, there's going to be a lot of finger pointing. This podcast is going to be even saltier than it would have been. And even the Louisville game, I mean, that felt great. We almost, we, we shot ourselves in the foot time and time again. And hey, it's the difference between winning and losing is is well we creates a completely different attitude. Well, we did that against Troy. We did that against Auburn. I mean, it's not that those teams were better than us. I mean, we keep conti- we continue to shoot ourselves in the foot. And you mentioned about the celebration at the end. I mean, yeah, in that moment you're going to celebrate like that, and that's totally fine. It was a uh, gut wrenching performance and win, and the emotions are higher after that. But a lot of the a lot of the talk that's coming through after the game, especially from Dabo, of this whole. We are Clemson. We never say die. We refuse to lose attitude. Um, and Dabo's quote specifically specifically saying there's something to be said for finding a way to win. There's something to be said for knowing how to win. Well, this team didn't find a way to win today or know how to win. Like, it's, it's based it's squarely on NC State's kicker missing a field goal. NC State really found a way to yeah. lose. And, and Clemson was trying to lose so hard the whole game, but NC State was a little bit better and, at it. Yeah, we won because they, they don't have a kicker. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, yet another win. I think Clemson is 9-0 and now um, in a game in which we had a negative turnover margin. David Hale, everyone's favorite reporter from ESPN, um, mentioned that through seven games compared to 2015, Clemson's only got one more turnover this year than last year. The difference being as a team, last year we were plus 21 on points off of the turnovers we caused, or in general, points off of turnovers. This year we're minus two overall points in terms of like turnovers 
um, that other teams are able to score points on our turnovers. So it's it hasn't quite caught up. We don't have an L to show for a negative turnover margin, but it's coming damn close. It, yeah, it's way too close from comfort. Doesn't bode well. And you know what? It's it, it wasn't just the turnovers in this game. I mean, North Carolina State came out hitting hard. I mean, they were big and physical against us. I mean, Dabo asked the, you know all the fans to get their biscuit in the morning, come to the game, and it looked like they did because the stadium was pretty full. Um, I don't know if the team forgot to eat theirs, they ate too many, or if there was just too much butter on those biscuits, and that's why they were dropping all those balls. But they played as soft as the Pillsbury Doughboy, especially in the first half. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about what we saw on offense and defense. But it, the, going back, NC State was tough. They were they were well coached. They were very physical, a lot more physical than us. And that doesn't just include the trenches where I think they narrowly had the advantage, which says enough, you know, just in itself that I think we lost the battle in the trenches. But on the outside, where those guys, those wide receivers, those tight ends, man, their edge blocking was so tough, and and, and they were so disciplined. That's why they were getting a lot of those screen routes and, and making things happen. We couldn't we. We were the exact opposite, looking very soft at the, our playmaker position. So it's it's all over the – it's just a mentality you have. It's, it's a toughness, like you said, and it starts in the trenches, but it also leaks out to the outside as well. Man, but, but big shout-out to Marcus Edmond. Game-winning play again. I mean, this guy, three-star recruit, not recruited heavily by big schools, but he comes up with a huge play there at the end. Yeah, so guys, you know, Clemson advancing to 7-0, and uh, clear – front-runner leader advantage in the ACC Atlantic race, uh, 24-17 overtime win. Um, before we move on and sort of peel, uh, peel the onion on this game, um, wanted to quickly just plug the podcast really quick. Um, if you guys have not done that yet, you know we want to welcome our new listeners and encourage you to subscribe to us um, through your favorite podcasting app that you've got on your smartphone. Uh, you can also subscribe through iTunes and you can visit our um, stream on SoundCloud where you're actually able to download the podcast if you prefer to do it that way and listen offline. Um, additionally, we are on Twitter, pretty active there, as well as Facebook. So feel free to seek us out there and like our page. Uh, really appreciate any word of mouth, kind of telling friends, tell five friends about the podcast. Um, really helps us out. And lastly, if you like the show, go over to iTunes and leave us a review. Really appreciate that. Folks looking for a Clemson podcast can find us that way, um, and that helps us out. And mailbag questions, soliciting those as well. You know, email us, clemsonpodcast at gmail.com. Leave comments on, on Twitter, Facebook, TigerNet, anywhere. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, we want to know what you want us to talk about. And speaking of TigerNet, we are in partnership with them this year. Um, they're doing good work. Keep up with them. I think David Hood had an article uh, earlier this week where he was talking about it's his anniversary with TigerNet. It also happens to be you know the same day that Dabo was you know took the reins as the head coach uh, when he replaced Tommy Bowden eight years ago. So uh, it also it often gets overlooked. So you know happy anniversary to David Hood. Happy anniversary to Dabo. Um, two great things in Clemson happened that day. So um, want to want to plug their TigerNet daily fantasy uh, sports app. So it, it's actually an app. You can also go through uh, go to the website. Really cool. I think it's one of the biggest releases they've had uh, and maybe ever. And it really, if you do like daily fantasy sports, if you do any fantasy sports, it's really cool. Um, you can download the, the app, uh, I think, on I, uh, iOS on your Apple device or just go through the, like, the web version. But basically, you can join any type of uh, pool starting at like three bucks is the entry fee. Yeah, I do just a one-day draft. It goes all the way up to some like some bigger pools where it's looks like uh, hundred bucks and, and you know the prizes. There's a lot of prizes to be won, so you get to. Quick question, Cody. Yeah. So this is a is this a standalone app slash 
you know, league where you're pretty much playing against other people that only have this app or does it link up with other services? I believe it's just Clemson. It, it looks okay. like it's just a Clemson pool, which is cool. We have, uh, you know, me and Ben take part in a Clemson fantasy sports league. So it's kind of cool. to So be able to... it connects Clemson fans and something like fantasy football for NFL. And does it do the other fantasy sports as well? Yeah, it's got everything. And it's like prop, even things like prop bets. And uh, I, I take that back. There's there's uh, pools as low as 25 cent. Oh, wow. Where, yeah, where the winnings is, well, you know, it's it's not substantial. But, it, you know, you, you don't have to put a, a large wager to, uh, to, to enjoy it. And have fun with it. So check it out. Really sleek design too. Really nice interface. Uh, and then I want to mention one thing. Do you guys read the pig, pigskin profits predictions leading up into the games? Yeah. Absolutely hilarious this week. He comes up uh, with a, a new invention called the Musk Clamp. It's a attractive band-aid for under your nose, apparently, um, in honor of Will Muschamp. Uh, some funny stuff. If you don't read that leading into every game, it'll have you on the floor rolling and laughing it's pretty good stuff very good well guys let's um take a closer look here at what happened in this game and try to peel the onion a bit on what happened um for me on when clemson was on offense i think the big story of this game is i'm not all that surprised you know that we ended regulation with 17 points and the real issue is that we had four scoring drives stall out because of turnovers or that goal line stand and you know, my main takeaway there is, you know, it seemed like the coaching staff had a really strong game plan coming into this game. And it seemed like they executed that. We had, you know, we were near the magic number of 500 yards of offense in this game. But you had, you know, multiple drives stall out within coming into the five-yard line. You had the Mike Williams fumble and the Wayne Gallman fumble and pretty promising offensive drives where we were moving it pretty well. So with, with those kind of mistakes happening, you know, that's going to keep other teams in games. That's going to prevent... Clemson from pulling away and really being the, the high-powered offense that we thought this would be. Well, and again, it's been the same in several games this year, the turnovers and the drops. Several more drops, a few by Mike Williams. Now, there are a couple of those could have been pass interference calls, I thought. But still, Artavis Scott had a drop late in the game. And then again, the turnovers. I'm not going to blame Gallman's on him because he got knocked out on that play. But the other three are just kind of inexcusable. And, you know... One bright spot is, I think you're right, the play calling or the game plan coming in was a little bit better, and the execution was actually a little bit better because they did go up and down the field a lot uh, putting together drives, but then they just have a bonehead turnover right there in the red zone that would just kill it. And then when Gallman goes down, I thought the play calling was a little bit shaky because I just think we were trying to run up the middle too much, and it just wasn't there. So I think it all kind of snowballed, and it really concerns me that there may be a lack of focus and leadership on this team because we're continuing to see this over and over again. Cody, you mentioned this before. At what point do these things become who you are? It's definitely who we are. And you talk about talk about like outliers. You know, these games when you have like these four turnover games, they should be an outlier, but that has been the norm for us. I mean, what games have we had? I think we've had one clean game, and that was the Boston College game. So this is who we are until proven otherwise. And I mean, you look at Tennessee, they, you know, they were playing with some, you know, devil magic or black magic for, for so long. And th these things catch up to you. It, it should have caught up to us on Saturday. It didn't. But I mean, that, that's, that's who we are. It's tough to point fingers, you know, being sitting here in our, our you know, in our, our studio and saying, you know, 3000 miles away and saying it was, you know, such and such as fault. But it is, it's got to be point, you got to point it a little bit at the coaching. And I, I, I think it's just being tight. Um, you know, I won't, I won't lay out my theories quite yet. I, I kind of think they're being a little too loose, if you ask me. I mean, I've been concerned about it all year, the way they carry the football. 
Um, every time Ray Ray McLeod gets the ball and starts running down the, around the field, I worry about him not protecting it. And you saw a cold Tyshawn die come in there and get, get stripped. Mike Williams, kind of a fl- fluky play, but man, like when you've got the first down or you're that close to the end zone, just go down and get out of bounds or something. I mean, yeah, is it fundamentals and, and ball carrying, tucking the ball? Or, like you said, is it – or and you talk about it being loose. And I, I mean from the standpoint of guys feeling like they can't make a mistake and having that, that tightness um, that – I don't know. I, I think it can be a cancer for a team. But, yeah, Mike Williams' fumble was inexplicable. And, uh, I mean, that's just him making a play. And we saw a similar play, I believe, in the Auburn game where a player out of bounds came and recovered the football. just seems like – Funky stuff happens when the Tigers try to gain, go for a couple extra yards um, versus kind of, you know, control the ball to the ground, that kind of thing. And, look, I can appreciate wanting to, you know, extend plays. We've seen in the past, like, guys like Artavis Scott able to break some tackles and then take it to the house. So, um, But that really hasn't been happening this year a whole lot. I mean, there hasn't been a lot of big plays. So, I mean, I'm with the mindset now. If you've got the first down, if, you, if you're moving the chains – as soon as you're there, the priority should be on protecting the ball because it doesn't do you a lot of good if you don't have the ball and can't score. Yeah, and I mean, look at Hunter Renfro. And like I think, Tully, you mentioned it last episode, how big of a shot in the arm having him. Uh, for one, he catches everything. He, his catch radius, he, he doesn't have long arms, but man, he can redirect and catch anything you know underneath or those you know intermediate routes. And then he gets down. And I mean, so reliable. And, and right now we have guys, like you said, trying to make moves after the catch put themselves in a position now the book's out on us where apparently our wide receivers tight ends are maybe a little bit soft so they're, they're gonna defenders are gonna come in and try to pull the ball away yeah and I, I don't know if in this specific game any of those turnovers or or drops um were predicated on the physicality of nc state but they're they're hitting hard the whole game and really from the go well gallman's was clearly you know that was a helmet to helmet hit should have been whistled for targeting and the fact that the announcer crew didn't even mention that, I mean, we clearly had whatever, what's below varsity guys or what's below JV? JV. I mean, it's B, like a freshman the B, the team. B team. We had the B team um, on the broadcast, you know, unfortunately. I like Steve Levy when he's on Sports Center, but pretty awful overall. Um, learn how to say our head coach's name for starters, please, next time. Um, but in general, I mean, that was completely targeting, but I think the physicality. I don't know if receivers are feeling the, hearing the footsteps there or you know what's going on, but um, maybe that's something they, they practice or they need to practice the you next know, couple I, of weeks. I think sometimes it's doing too much. And again, the only turnover by a receiver on the day was, was Mike Williams. Um, the other two fumbles were from running backs and then obviously Deshaun Watson's interception, which we'll get into. But there was damn near a fifth turnover where Ray Ray muffed the punt again. Uh, again, that continues to be an issue. Give well, up the ball there, and that how, could have been the. How does a team? Point. How does a team sort of coach or self discipline or have leadership come in and get that out of, you know, correct these mistakes or stick them? I don't know. It, it's been it's been a, a parasite, you know, for for a couple of years now. This isn't brand new. This we had issues with this last year. Maybe not with the fumbles as much. Maybe Deshaun Watson seemed like he was throwing more interceptions last year, but a crucial, crucial interception today that he threw it right at the guy. Yeah, that's two, that's two home games in a row where coming out of at a halftime, Clemson gets the ball. Maybe the the ability to put a score on the board and you know change the complexion of the third quarter. Louisville intercepted us. I think they turned it right back over last time, but NC State put points on the board straight away on this INT. 
Deshaun Watson's first pick six ever. Yeah, you go, you take the ball there. You're in a good position going into halftime. You're going to get the ball back. You're up 10-3. to You've been driving down the field all game. All you have to do is protect the ball. You go down there. You go up 17-3. to Maybe get a defensive stop since the defense is rested coming out of the half. Go back down there, score one more. It's 24-3. to And then, you know, the game is essentially over at that point. But what a crucial moment to throw an interception. It was a terrible interception. He threw it right at the guy. Yeah, we could talk about Deshaun Watson in a bit, but yeah, there's some things he needs to polish up on uh, in terms of just reading defenses, and you're seeing that a little bit. Let me go to Tyshawn Die for a second. Uh, I go into back to coaching, play calling, whatever you want to call it. Third quarter, uh, C.J. Fuller was was getting his reps. At least he was comfortable. Um, Adam Choice looked you know tentative, if not great. But why do we put in a cold? You know, Tyshawn died right there on the goal line. What could he bring any more than C.J. Fuller in terms of in between the tackles running? You know, could have could have brought to the table. Uh, why why put a guy that's cold in at that in that moment and has already shown a propensity to fumble around the goal line? So, no, that's a fair question. And I think when you do have a game where certain things are bouncing away from you going wrong, I think that's when as a coaching staff you need to say like, let's be consistent. Let's go with what's working. You know, let's have Fuller run that ball in or. I mean, or goal stretch, line play calling in general. Stretch the ball. Talk about, yeah, it but. hasn't been great. Stretch the ball to the outside. You have all these uh, playmakers on this team. Get the ball to the outside because running up the middle just wasn't working. I think the, the coaches were just too stubborn trying to establish that running game. They continued to try to pound it up the middle even when it wasn't working. Throw the ball at some point or just get the ball to the outside. Get the ball on the edges with those dynamic playmakers that you have and get the ball to the end zone. It wasn't just... It wasn't just red zone. Early on, third down play calling, I didn't think was it was very good. There was a few routes thrown uh, behind the the first down marker or running up the middle on like third and two and not getting there. So, I don't know. We've got these playmakers, man. Use them on the outside or go with the jumbo package if you're going to go up the middle. Right. Wait, if we're gonna, if we're going to use it on fourth and one with a game at a game on the line, why not use the jumbo package at the goal line where we got stood up uh, there on? Well, actually, it was. Go back to coaching. Um, I think it was the second quarter, maybe. There we are on the, on the. I think it was first down. We missed, or we we had a nice little run. C.J. Fuller may have scored a touchdown yeah, instead of reviewing and the let's play. Let's stop right there. Go ahead. Why wasn't that play reviewed? Why didn't Clemson call a timeout? Or, they they ran up right. real quick and we, ran another play. Was that the well, play? I be, yeah. we went with and pace. I believe Guillermo snapped the ball. There was miscommunication with Deshaun, but in general, that's a coaching moment. You know. Or a criticism we could have, um, and burn a timeout there potentially. It's the first half. You know, this is this is a crucial score, and I think it was just there's sort of a an overall confidence. We're going to get in. Doesn't matter if we didn't get in on second down. Well, third down, you muff the snap. You know, basically burn a down right there, and then Deshaun kind of trying to back into the end zone instead of jump over. You know, emulate your idol Cam Newton, jump over the line or stick the ball out. Um, that's another thing we probably need to work on. But and I, th- I think it's a little poor. I, you go to Taylor Hearn, who I think he looked a little suspect all game long, as, as pretty much your lead blocker on that play. And then and Mitch Hyatt, who was, get, I mean, was not getting great leverage. And you saw it on that play. And then Garrett Williams, who had no role in the, in yeah. the block in the scheme there. I so just, Up the middle, we weren't getting yards all game. And to think we could at the goal line when they're going to have additional linebacker you know, presence there just is a head-scratcher when we do have guys that can go up, get the ball, Jordan Leggett back of the end zone, Deshaun Watson on a, a naked boot. I mean, there's so many options. I know we're kind of touching on some running back issues and some rushing game issues, but to me, red zone decision making. And you've got to get 
you got to get Artavis Scott involved in the game plan more, man. Early on, from the get go, he he became involved later in the game, but he it just hasn't been there all year long. And I think if you start getting him involved, jet sweeps, throwing it out to him in the flat, getting him on the outside, that it's going to make a huge difference. But it just it just hasn't been there. I, I totally agree on getting him involved on, on the outside. First play of the game, we ran a, a fake jet sweep. When you got defensive ends that are, are praying and, and getting pretty good penetration, a pretty decent pass rush, you got to give them something to you know maybe hold them hold them back for a second, make their eyes wander, make the linebackers maybe take a step to the left or the right, and we weren't doing that. And then you try to send uh, you know Fuller up the a gap. Well, in the first play, we got like six yards, and I'm like that that jet sweep, at least just the fake really occupies the defense's mind and it allows allows us to establish that run game totally right um i think i think going back to the perimeter blocking or the i'm sorry the perimeter play i think blocking is a concern we probably don't feel like we have a shron peak that can be a lead blocker on a on a jet sweep it's not jordan leggett (laughs) yeah that's fair and i want i do want to get back to wide receiver blocking on the other side of the football when we get into the defensive discussion but maybe let's take it back to the running game really quickly uh, Wayne Gallman on the first drive looked exceptional, made the right cuts, was just you know gaining yards on yards till he got took the shot and went out for the game with a concussion. Thankfully, it, he looked pretty lucid on the sideline after that. Um, he went out for the overtime uh, coin coin toss, uh, so he was able to do that. Um, for, hopefully, he's able to just recover fully for the Florida State game. But after that, we we went with choice. He looked he looked okay, but. It seemed like uh, we didn't even let him go through um, the next drive entirely before turning it over to C.J. Fuller. How do you guys, I mean, his yards per carry looked okay, you know, averaging right around four yards a carry. But it did seem, in terms of selection of run plays, that it was pretty predictable when we were going to be running the ball. I mean, listen, it, when Wayne Gallman goes down, all bets are off in the running game for this team. We. Clemson had been running the ball a lot better lately, but well, again, all, should all bets be off though? Like, should we feel first? Maybe let me reposition this. I'm not. I wasn't um, that enthusiastic about our selection of a backup running back play coming through with CJ Fuller in this game. And to me, it doesn't seem like we've developed a like we should be able to have a Gallman go down. We've got a lot of talent there. It nope. just doesn't seem like we've establish who the number two is well we can't though i mean there's a clear drop off after wing gallman we'll get there eventually with feaster but the three guys battling for that that second string spot right now they're just they're just not there and i don't i don't think they're going to get there i think after gallman leaves this year it's going to be on to feaster and those other guys are going to still be in a backup role i think we have we've seen enough at this point they're not getting a lot of help from the offensive line um i don't think and you know gallman makes things happen for himself he's a very violent runner and we saw him kind of pay the price for that in the game yesterday. But after him, again, I think all bets are off on what to expect. I, I tend to disagree in terms of Fuller. Yeah, he's not he's not talented. You talk about like a one-cut back in, in, in Matt Davis for NC State. He makes one cut, makes you miss. CJ Fuller makes no cuts. He just runs in a straight line as hard as he can. And frankly, that's about the best we could have asked for in this game. Because and Plus, he is the best in pass protection out of all the backups. He didn't fumble. He, he's pretty reliable. He is pretty sure-handed. I mean, that's why he's on the kickoff return uh, unit for, for some reason. Anyway, going back to Choice, I think he's the more talented. He's got a little bit more wiggle. He can, he can redirect a little bit. And he even showed patience in this game as he was you know, pretty much given no running lanes to run in. But in this game, the running lanes weren't there. You just have to be aggressive. And he wasn't showing that. He runs 
first of all, the guy's not a burner anyway. He was, it looked like he was in slow motion when he starts to play with uh, too much patience and waiting for things to open up because things were not opening up against the Cincy State defense. Well, it seems like we had a lot of delayed run, delayed handoffs when they're already coming in with a full head of steam. You know, giving them an extra half second is not going to do you any favors. So maybe that's a little bit more about the design of the plays. But can I ask, do you guys feel like Wayne Gallman is making a pretty poor uh, run blocking O-line look good? with his ability, with his cutting ability, with his y- yards after contact. Yeah, I don't think we can call him a system quarterback. I think he makes the system work. Running back. A running back, sorry. Mm-hmm. I think he makes the system work. I mean, all that talk coming in to uh, – you see when he goes out how important he is to this running game, and that, I think that speaks a lot to his talent. It, it, it does, because I think when he, he took that, that leap forward, um, what was that? I guess it was in the Louisville game. He was making things happen when, when things weren't available, and he was making a guy miss, making two guys miss – um, and, and that's, that's where it comes in. I, I will go back to like last year and thinking about him being a system running back run blocking was a little bit better last year. I feel like, uh, we did a little bit more in the, in the zone read. So things were a little bit more available in terms of, uh, running lanes. Um, but yeah, right at this point, the, the difference between us having, uh, you know, five and six yards of carry and two and three yards, it's, it's all running back making a guy miss because it's not the run line. blocking has been very, very poor. They just they don't have the toughness in the trenches that they've had in recent years, and that really concerns me when we go into play uh, a Florida State who's going to have a really good defensive line, and they're starting to get healthy. And again, I think it goes back to questioning the leadership. Is Jay Guillermo the assumed leader on this offensive line? He's not. It's not the same as Eric McLean last year. It just isn't. And I, I again, I think it applies to the entire offense. I think with the poor play from the offensive line, especially in the run game and then the drops from the wide receivers, and then just turnovers in general, I think it just goes to focus and leadership, or lack thereof, on the offensive side of the ball. And it's blocking, it's, I kind of alluded to it earlier, it's, it's blocking all the way out to the wide receiver position. And you talk about getting um, Artavis Scott involved a little bit more on the outside, and I feel like he's probably our best blocker as a wide receiver, so you really don't even have that option. You need him doing that, that perimeter blocking when you do like a jet sweep to Ray Ray. Uh, you, you can't... <laughs> You can't have him available. I think Mike Williams does okay. He's a big-bodied receiver in terms of blocking, but still, I mean, that's probably our best number two option. Can I ask you guys on that last point, interesting we didn't try to get Tavian Feaster into the game on, you know, potentially some sweet plays or even, you know, to spell some of the other running backs or try and get, you know, a new look going when our offense seemed to be stalling in the second half. Uh, I read Nikki Hood's piece on Tiger Net, sort of an interview with Tony Elliott talking about Feaster, and reading between the lines from Elliot's comments, it looked like had to do a little bit with what he showed in practice. We all know that the the team favors guys that earn it on the practice field during the week. You know, they really earn their playing time there, and it seemed like that might have been an indication. Also, some of the looks that NC State was showing on defense, very aggressive. Um, you know, in the run run defense, they were comfortable having you know a young guy like Feaster in there. All that aside. Would you guys have tried to play him? I, I was adamant. I saw a lot of the buzz um, on the comment boards and things like that. Put in Feaster, put in Feaster, but I thought it was a, a great call not to put in Feaster. Absolutely. He, the, yeah. the penetration they were getting, this was not a great game to break in your, your freshman uh, running back who's already lo- already looks tentative when, on those kickoff returns. Um, he Yeah, in terms of like pass protection, he's not yeah, quite ready. I was going to say, w- would you put him in – you know, fourth on the team in pass protection ability. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, think at this point, probably. It's probably a, a, a drop. I think maybe Tyshawn Dye or Adam Choice would be the number three or four guy, and then a drop off in, to the freshman feaster. 
not a, not a great game to get him broken in, and I think it would end up hurting Deshaun Watson. And and on top of that, I mean, there's no guarantee. He's he's looked very tentative. You talk about Adam Choice looking a little bit slow, and he just doesn't have the confidence. He's not he's and he wouldn't have had running lanes either. He would have just well, ran yeah. into the blocks. And not to mention the turnover problem that we're having. You don't you throw a freshman in there, that's going to be even more likely to happen. C.J. Fuller, he's averaging four yards a carry. He's holding onto the ball. You got to go with him at, at that at that point. I don't think you you saw what happened when you threw Tyson Tyshawn die in there, uh, cold. So maybe to wrap up the rushing game, guys. I mean, I feel like this from a statistical standpoint, yards per play when we ran the ball was probably average to above average in this game. But I think what we the main takeaway for me is. Without Wayne Gallman, we become a very pedestrian or vanilla um, running team. And that includes what Deshaun Watson's able to give us. A lot of his yards were on broken down pass plays uh, where he scrambled and was able to run for a first down or run for four to six yards here and there. Uh, but on design runs, I think, you know, without the cutting ability that, you know, if CJ Fuller is going to just give you, put his head down and try to gain four yards. Um, that shows how much we need Gallman. And when you do face better defenses down the stretch, running a running game in general can be can be a question mark for this team. And if that's ineffective, then they're just going to rush Deshaun Watson, and this becomes a pretty pretty average offense. Yeah, I mean, we had three yards of carry. That's that's terrible in the day. Fuller actually only had three and a half. So, you know, our leading rusher, our longest our longest run on the day was Christian Wilkins. On a fake punt. Yeah, he tied. It, it was a, him and Fuller yeah. each had a 10-yard run, but that, that was about it. And by the way, he showed a little bit more elusiveness than uh, Fuller did. I think he made a guy <laughs> miss. And he showed more confidence than Adam Choice because he took off. He knew exactly where he was going. He saw the open field, and, and he hit it. Um, yeah, I think it's a big question mark. I, I, I don't think we fully realized or accounted for how important Wing Allman is and the drop-off to the number two guy, whoever that may be. And, yeah, it's, we're going to need him back healthy, probably for Florida State, certainly for a playoff run. Well, and thank goodness. I mean, I don't mean to play down the fact that he took a hard hit to the head, but we were at first worried that it might have been a shoulder or something that, which, talking about playing the rest of this year, would have been much worse than a concussion. We've got two weeks to come back with the bye week coming up next week, so every reason to expect that he'll be back and ready to go. Again, not to downplay the fact that it was a, a pretty brutal hit to the head, but as far as him playing and being healthy-wise, could have been worse. Maybe to round up the offense, guys, always good for us to check in on Deshaun Watson, understanding he is the leader of this team. We will go as he goes. Uh, if I had to give him a grade for this game, I mean, I think certainly some mistakes. We, we've already mentioned the INT to start the second half. But, I mean, I felt like he, I, I, to give him my grade, I, I'm going with an A- minus or a B- plus here. Um, seemed to do very well situationally, um, was elusive when the very aggressive NC State D-line was getting pressure, and for the most part was accurate. Um, I think he overthrew Deion Kane on a deep ball, um, might have led or overthrown Renfro somewhat. He came down with the catch, um, but in the process got hurt somehow. So um, I don't know. I, I mean, I thought Deshaun was good. He wasn't amazingly crisp, but... This is another question, like, is this the reality of Deshaun Watson that we've got this year? Well, I, I don't know. I, I saw him make some really good throws in this game. He did throw for almost 380 yards. Um, so, again, it's this point of maybe he's just been so good that when he's not great, we're, like, are we being, being a little bit, yeah, yeah are we spoiled, mm -hmm. are we being too critical? But so the things that I want to circle is, number one, that interception that we talked about, because that's just a terrible time, and it's just a bad, bad interception. And 
elite players shouldn't be making plays like that. Um, the other thing that I want to mention is the deep balls. They just haven't been connecting this year. He's only got two completed passes over 40 yards on the season. Now, he did have a nice throw, I thought, to Deion Kane in this game uh, that NC State had pass interference on. That was actually could have been close. He might have caught that and taken that into the end zone had he not been interfered with. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that deep, the big play part of the game, that personality is just not a part of this team this year, and it goes to his inaccuracy, I think. Well, it comes and goes, and I think that the one deep ball to Deion Kane there was was not like way overthrown. It was just just a few yards out in front. Um, I think he had a tremendous game. You, you, of course, everyone's going to remember that pick six, and that's a big part of it. But he he made some NFL level passes. You look at that that touchdown pass to Mike Williams. He really did across the field too. Yeah, and and as we're harping on the the, the coaching and things like that, I, I can definitely pinpoint a few plays in, in the play calling where you just, you're scratching your head, you know, getting a, getting a, a pass out to Fuller in the flats. That's not his game. There were two plays, and then the delayed uh, handoff where we got no yards. I think that was on our final drive. The first two plays were to Fuller. It's like understand your personnel, the situation, and, and your player strengths, you know, but... From what is, he was asked to do, he did exceptionally well, Right. Yeah, when when given the ball and say, hey, go get us four yards, Fuller did a great job. But are we talking about Deshaun Watson? Yeah, Deshaun. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So going back to Deshaun, though, I think they get a really good game in the play calling, especially early on, to get him comfortable just finding a few guys, uh, whether it be like a slant or just a short but, uh, button hook. He was finding those guys, and, and that, that helps with rhythm. And that first drive, we were marching down the field. Everything underneath uh, and then coming across the field, he was pretty accurate on. I thought so. I, I thought he did have a good game throwing the ball. That interception aside, I don't think they tried too many deep balls. But listen, he had a great uh, completion percentage in this game, and he threw for a lot of yards. If Tyshawn Dye holds on to that ball, if they review the play and it looks like Fuller got into the end zone, those are two touchdowns. That's a 14-point lead at whatever point of the game that would have been. It would have a different feel, a different complexion on this game. And those plays did indeed happen. I don't want to like write those off, but I mean... I think we're it, it's okay to almost come out, come away as a, a fan of this entire team feeling like that was lackluster and still appreciate that Deshaun did more than enough to help this team win. There were just other factors that prevented us well, from putting points he, up. He did everything he needed to do. He had a couple big runs for first downs. They were pretty crucial and he was phenomenal there in the overtime throwing the ball. That big props to Jordan Leggett for fighting for that ball across the middle like he did a tremendous job coming down with that ball and then that pass to Artavis Scott to, to seal the deal and score the touchdown was big too um yeah great to see I mean overall the offense keep their head in the game after in overtime I, is what I mean um especially after they started with a false start they came down to the one yard line and then had the ball flip over Deshaun Watson's head to maintain composure and complete that pass to Scott um which I don't know if you guys read this um Larry Williams put this in a piece about Hunter Renfro actually clued in Jeff Scott that that slant play off of play action worked earlier in the game um, to him. And he's like, you know, let's keep that in our back pocket if we need it later in the game. So you can kind of credit Hunter Renfro for the play call in that final touchdown. Jacoby Ford 2.0. Which is incredible. So maybe he's got a future in coaching. We'll see. But anyway. I think he's got a future in the NFL first. Oh, he definitely does. Um, But for the offense to just, you know, keep their head in the game, we really needed them to to win the game when really they've 
they left a lot of points on the field. Well, and that that does speak a lot to Deshaun and his cool, calm, and collected collectedness. And he does show that in really close games. He didn't let things get out of hand from at least the, everything that he could control. He couldn't control a lot of the other things at the end of the game. The defense was getting t- tired, absolutely, and, but a lot of that has to do with the turnovers on offense. But, yeah, I mean, his – we don't see his leadership a lot because I don't think he's as vocal or as animated as maybe a lot of other quarterbacks we may see around college football. But his level-headedness is there, and his keeping his head in the game in, in tough moments is a is a very, very good quality that he has. Quick correction, that was Brad Senke from the Anderson Independent Mail with that that soundbite from get, Hunter Renfro. Get your sources, get your, your credits right. right. Um, yeah, maybe one last thought on, on the offense, and uh, because we're, we're talking about a lot of negative things. We did have wide receivers and a tight end, Jordan Leggett, who made NFL-level catches, and, and part of that was Deshaun. He's getting to the point where he'll throw down to the ground just away from the defender. I mean, maybe that's good, maybe it's bad, but we have guys like Artavis Scott, and Mike Williams had a tremendous game, you know, that fumble aside. And Jordan Leggett made a couple of plays that I think he's probably one of the only tight ends in the country that can make where he just had to extend his arms in the last yeah. minute. Um, great, great. And we talked about a little bit last last episode about over-diversifying the playbook, spreading the rock a little too much. And it's not about finding the one guy, but it's finding the right matchups. And in this case, I, f- I think we went to Mike Williams enough because that was a matchup that we knew we could exploit. And we did. And I, and I, I credit play calling. Now, now they now they go back and give them a little credit. I, I, I do credit them there for, for going to that. Oh, it was the Auburn game all over again. Just go to Mike Williams. Feed the ball to Mike Williams. I'm not opposed to it. If there's a mismatch, mismatch there, then, then take it. And, again, we want to credit NC State. Very physical defense. Very strong line play. Uh, they made it tough on us. And, you know, you give you give a good defense like that some, some freebies with turnovers, you know, they're going to make you pay. So... Um, very good to come out of this with a win and, and putting up the points we did and great that the offense got yet another chance in overtime. Um, any other takeaways, you know, what, what the team can work on in the, in the two weeks off headed into Florida state other than develop a second running back, hold on to the ball, man, focus, <laughs> ball security. Yeah. Ball, ball security. Yeah. And, and I think edge blocking, we need to get better there and then maybe we can utilize a jet sweep a, a little bit more effectively or a bubble screen. Yeah, I think the two weeks off also for me are going to help Wayne Gallman, you know, get his mind right, get back into the game, and Hunter Renfro as well. So coming back from injuries, I think we've been the, you know, hurt the least on offense, but those two are such critical playmakers for us. We need them. Guys, let's flip it to the other side of the ball. Um, when Clemson was on defense, I think this team again, overall grade, you have to you have to appreciate what they did keeping this team in the game when. Um, they were coming back on the field unexpectedly after turnovers. We did see, though, for the first time, you know, Clemson really had to work hard to develop a pass rush. And in spots, there really was no pass rush to get, um, which, you know, there's downstream effects to that. What you see happening in the secondary can reveal the youth in the secondary. Um, and I think while NC State was by no means an offensive juggernaut, we saw a pretty competent quarterback in spots, you know, pick us apart. And um, the, the one thing that I was really maddening about this was their receiver blocking was really exceptional. Um, when they were pushing the ball out to screens or doing underneath routes, they were getting the blocks they needed. And, you know, they, they ended up getting chunk yardage on those plays that um, just it, as, a, as a fan, as a spectator, you, you can just see this happening. And it drives you crazy. 
Well, listen, I mean, this is an offense that was averaging 450 yards a game coming in. So they were putting points over the board. They were gaining yardage. Uh, Ryan's against, like, FCS teams, though. Uh, well, I mean, it's not taking into account the sloppy game against uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, true. too. That probably would have been higher. But, yeah. listen, Ryan Finn, Finley. Notre Dame's like an FCS team, by the way. Well, true. <laughs> uh, Ryan Finley, that uh, the Boise State transfer at quarterback mm-hmm. there, I thought he played a, a pretty damn good game. And they've got something good going on at a quarterback there. And I thought they had a good offensive uh, game scheme. Talking about not being able to establish the pass rush, this is the first time all year we've really seen this D-line not be incredibly disruptive throughout the game, and especially early on. Um, and one thing that – a couple of things I saw NC State doing early on were they were moving the pocket side to side, which didn't allow the, the line to get upfield. They also had a lot of quick outs, which just didn't give them enough time to get back there into the backfield and cause disruption. So I thought the game plan coming in for NC State was very good, and the execution was very good. Absolutely. And a lot of that we can we can talk all day about not getting a pass rush or not being completely satisfied with some parts of the defense, but a lot of that was NC State blocking you know for one with their with their just their front five but also some of their edge blocking was really good a hat on a hat you talk about our wide receivers having issues blocking well those guys were tough they're not not just good blockers but willing blockers that was an issue Matt Days uh, the way they would run him outside to the perimeter he would find just the, the open seam and he would just again one cut back and he, he did that to us last year so credit to him there uh, I think in terms of what that means for us is Weakness. Well, for one, we do have some guys in the secondary uh, that can get caught up on blocks. We we knew this. Um, again, part of that is then, but the other part is just being physical at the point of attack and getting off those blocks. And Van Smith is one of those guys. He he has a hard time getting off blocks, and he gets run over a lot. And part of that's his size. He's a little. I don't want to say undersized, but yeah, he he uh, he lost some some leverage there against Days, and he got dragged a couple of yards or five yards, and then. Um, Ryan Carter is is a bit small, but um, let me give him a little credit in terms of just going, knowing what their game plan was, knowing when they're going to run that screen route, looking at the kind of the signs, and he he I think he blew was it two or three screen passes up, and that's just knowledge of the game, doing film study. Ryan Carter, yeah, no, I thought he had a great game too. Um, uh, talking about the secondary here, real quick, I thought Jadar Johnson, he is fantastic playing the ball out there when it's in the air. He had a couple of really good plays in this game. I'm kind of surprised we didn't see Dorian O'Daniel a lot more. It's just, I, I don't get it, why he's out there and so prominent in some games. I thought he really could have been helpful in, in this game, but I guess it just wasn't the case. I didn't see him out there a lot. But, you know, going back to talking about the D-line and not getting the rush in, you know, they started, aside from the things I already talked about, they started getting some quick outs and spreading the ball to the outside, and that really started opening their run game back up the middle. And once it got to that yeah, point... Finley had a scramble yeah. at one point. Um, once, once they got to that point, they just started picking up chunk yardages. And I go back and I think to myself, I'm like, how did they not put up more than 17 points? There's a few blocked and missed field goals, but it seems like they should have had more. Or they definitely should have had more. No, it's, it's a good question. They seemed to get yards when they needed it in terms of screenplays and opening up the, the playbook a bit. But I, you know, I think maybe... You, I wasn't looking at it from a standpoint of NC State's play calling. Maybe that, that comes into question. Um, well, they, they left nine points on the field from field goals themselves. So one good thing to say about the defense is once they got, NC State got down the field into the red zone, they weren't giving up right. a lot of touchdowns. Only, only two on the day. Yeah, for and sure. one of those was the pick six. So they really they only gave up one touchdown. And overall, I mean, one result from this game, too, is 
talk about bend but don't break, NC State had six plays of 20-plus yards or more, which was the most we'd sustained. Um, I need to go back and look at Louisville to see how many they had, but um, that was not something we expected. But to only allow them 17 points on the game when they are moving the ball like that in chunks. And only 10 did their offense. Their offense only scored 10. So, Uh, listen, this this defense has shown to be – have a weakness – and vulnerable when we play a team who is competent, has a competent passing game. And that really showed out today. I think some of the guys in the secondary saw a lot of guys in and out. Um, and if when they can, when teams can pick on us across the middle and underneath, especially against our linebackers, um, and then other things open up the deep ball, we, we saw again, you talked about those big plays. We're, we're really starting to see that's where the weakness lies. If our defensive line cannot be hugely disruptive, get a pass rush and make the quarterback scramble, then teams can start to pick us apart. I think it, the problem is part of it's the secondary. I, I don't think we have quite the elite athleticism. We definitely don't have quite you know the elite athleticism that we had last year to get off blocks, come up, hit your gap, make the play. That's part of it. The other part is linebacker speed in this game. Part of the reason we didn't get a, a, a pass rush is because we were rushing four. We, we didn't send a whole lot of linebacker help, with, which is pretty much a, it's a staple of Venable system. So what we're doing is pushing – allowing Boer and, and uh, Joseph to fall back into coverage and to kind of into zone. And that's not necessarily their strong suit, but going back to NC State's play calling, what they were doing was uh, allowing Finland, I believe is his name, their quarterback, to have, to have check down situations in every, in every play, to have a guy available, an outlet pass in the, in the flats. Finley. Finley, I'm sorry. So the book is out on us, um, you know, and, and you know, he did credit to, to Finley because he was he had a really good pocket presence, knowing when it was going to collapse, knowing when he had a little bit of, of the open field, and uh, and knowing where his checkdowns were. That's a good point you bring up because we didn't see a lot of linebacker blitzes or even safety blitzes in this game where we're used to Venables uh, being more aggressive and bringing more pressure. That didn't happen. I think that's because we were playing a team who could throw on us. Well, when we- when he did it last year, when you commit a linebacker to that bullet blitz, uh, Days would he would a lot of times find he had the patience and again that one cut ability to where he would make us miss. And I think that was what we were kind of game planning against was not not happening again. Well, and if you think it's going to hurt to have Days doing that, what about Dalvin Cook coming up? That's I kept thinking about that the whole game because he's a similar similar mold but even more explosive. So yeah, that's. Definitely something to watch out for. Yeah, and I think Clemson fans as well, all year we've talked about the specter of Florida State, and you know they, they had a pretty rough patch there for a moment, um, getting blown out by Louisville, and then you know really since haven't looked the same, but um, had a good game against Miami this week, softer against Wake Forest, but it's going to be a, a hostile environment, and DeAndre Francois probably gives you even a more dynamic look than Finley did um, overall. And again, you know, our team will probably rise to the occasion against Florida State. Maybe didn't give NC State's offense as much respect in terms of you know mental preparation for this one. But tough challenge coming. And any of the weaknesses that we've just talked about, I feel like Florida State has more talent and more ability to exploit those things if we don't tighten those up. Well, and to be honest with you, I, I still think the Clemson offense is the defense's biggest weakness. Turning the ball over, keeping them on the field. You see these guys get tired. There was a point yesterday where we just weren't stopping them, uh, NC State that is, at the point of attack. Uh, The the first point of contact would happen, and there'd be a few more yards after the play going downfield. And whereas we saw in previous games this year, we would hit guys, the play would start there, we'd wrap them up. There was just extra yardage to be had in this game. And a lot of it, you know, a lot of it is credit to NC State and being so physical, because they were a very physical football team. But part of it, too, is this defense has been tired. 
all year long. It's because of the offense. To credit a little credit the offense, we did have some sustained drives, which did keep the defense off the field a little bit. If if, if they were gassed, it was because NC State was hitting them time and time again. Well, in terms of blocking, um, so I, I give credit there. But I, I do agree in other games, it's been well. The offense could stand to score though. That would take a little bit of pressure. Right, off right. The if you're going to sustain the drive, finish it yeah. too. Um, the, I would say going back to the defense, what we're looking for against maybe Florida State a little bit. Austin Bryant came back, and that, that's always we, we looked at that as a good sign. I think he was a little bit slow. Uh, the one thing I see him, I see from him though at strong side defensive end, his arms are so long. That's such a huge asset to have it at, as a defensive end. So I, I hope he'll pick up an extra step. He, he was a little little slow. What was kind of curious is we kept Wilkins there uh, at strong side defensive end, and we would rotate. Um, uh, Farrell and Bryant at weak side, and I, that was, with no pass rush, I'm kind of surprised I, we didn't see Jurgen there. I thought I saw Bryant playing the weak side. Um, so that's how they're going to instead I, of I, moving I, Wilkins I, back inside, they're going to rotate Farrell and, and Bryant. I, I guess. thought I did see him playing both, but you're right, seeing him on the weak side and not the strong side predominantly yeah. was interesting, and possibly because he was a little step slower in this game. He looked big though. He looked, yeah, big and, again, long arms, and that's, that's, that's big. If he can well, get that a, step back, that's important for Florida State. Can you take a moment, Cody, and talk us through, like, what does Bryant give you in terms of physical skills compared to Richard Yergin? Well, he's, he's a little bit stronger. He's, he's, I guess the link's probably about the same. He's, he's got probably this, almost the same speed as Yergin. So you're talking about a guy that's already bigger, that can set the edge be- better than a Yergin, but also um, with, with the speed at the strong side position – to uh, to also get after the quarterback, so I think he's he when he's at full strength, he's a little bit faster than Wilkins and definitely longer than Wilkins. So that could be a huge asset against Florida State, who likes to get the ball on the perimeter, get it to their explosive running back. Well, so, and he and he also gives you more depth. So when right. your defense is getting gassed, at least you have more guys you can run out there that may be a little bit fresher. Right, right. Um, just in terms of freshness and rotations, maybe to wrap on the defense. You know, something that was bothering me was a little bit of our use of timeouts down the stretch, especially on that last six-minute NC State drive that uh, probably should have resulted in a game-winning field goal for them, ultimately gave us kind of our eighth or ninth life. I'm not sure which one in this game, but really the use of the timeouts. And it's not even – I mean, ultimately it was nice to have that last timeout because we effectively iced their kicker, Um, but – you know, saving those for kind of the very last sequence of plays um, instead of using a timeout earlier in that drive to re- reevaluate the scheme, maybe get the right rotation of guys in, or just rest players, you know, for a couple of minutes uh, when we needed, needed it the most. Uh, that was a head-scratcher of how we decided to manage the clock down the stretch. And there's so much head or second-guessing at this point, and a lot of it has to do based upon what actually happened, the outcome of the game. I mean, if he hits that kick, then you really have a criticism of those timeouts. Uh, there was also the, the thought going back and forth between us as we were watching, do you just let them score right there to save some time on the clock and give your offense the ball to go back down the field? Ultimately, it worked out perfectly. He missed the field goal. No time on the clock would be him in overtime. But you play a team with a good kicker, yeah, with an Aguayo, you know, against Florida State in a couple weeks, that's not the same situation. I thought he definitely should have used the timeout earlier. I thought we were letting too much time go off the clock. The defense could have taken some time to reset, catch their breath, get into the right scheme, and then possibly stop them or keep them further out, make it a further field goal again. Now, ultimately, it did matter because he missed a chip shot, but it's not going to happen every time. Yeah, in general, I I just don't want to mistake luck for strategy and. <laughs> 
we we got lucky. Let's call it what it is. So um, again, learning moment, I imagine, for everyone involved. And, you know, hopefully down the stretch, we'll, we'll learn how to use those better. Yeah, and absolutely. And, you know, so my kind of final takeaways from this game, pivoting off of that, that lucky comment is, listen, we beat Troy and Auburn uh, because of talent, not because we played better than them. Uh, we didn't beat NC State because of talent, and we didn't beat them certainly not because we played better. We beat them because we got lucky. We beat them because they don't have a kicker, essentially. By, it's not they could have won, they should have won, mm-hmm. right? They absolutely should have beat us in the game, and it's just very concerning. Cody, you mentioned this to me. Uh, you know, Clemson seems to be the most fraudulent contender right now in the college football playoff race. Because honestly, this is not how elite teams play. People are going to tell you the national championships, national champions have games like this every single year, but this is happening far too often for Clemson. Yeah, can I make it? We're going to talk about around college football and some other contenders that aren't fraudulent. So maybe I can, I can add a segue into my final thought. I hear the, the cliche, and it's overused, a win is a win. And sure, it is. it was a win, and it does help us to have a clearer picture to the playoff. But looking at our win and looking at Alabama, where they are at this point in the season, where, where Michigan really is, and, and even though they didn't play, and even Ohio State, um, they're, they're in a different stratosphere than us right now. And that matters. I hope that matters to, to people in, in terms of not just holding yourself. Talking about playing to a standard and best of standard. Well, we really got outplayed by NC State. If we would have played Bama yesterday, we would have gotten embarrassed. So uh, it, things need to sharpen. Like The tools are there. The, the, the chess pieces, you have them on offense. And we talk about this as like a team thing. Well, the defense is, is plugging out a superior, uh, a, a, an elite product, game in, game out, year in, year out. It's all on the offense. And uh, if things don't improve, there's going to be a little bit of finger pointing, I think, from here on out. And I think we've, be- seen, we've seen and been playing as a defensive unit at, at their ceiling, at their peak. You know, certainly we could get Adrian Baker back and have Austin Bryant in, and those guys could maybe we see the defense take another step forward, which would be awesome. That's not is what's going to get us to the playoff, through the playoff, and to a national championship. It, like you said, I put it back on the offense, and um, tools are there. I think the the coaching can also figure this out, uh, but no more. There's no more kind of lives to use up. Um, Florida State's next, and. I think, a lot, I think what Clemson's done to this point, unfortunately, is used up any sort of like credibility or house money that we have to sustain a loss and still be considered for the playoff. We could lose to Florida State, still win the Atlantic, still win the ACC outright, but I think then you, you're going to need some luck to get in because you know we're not passing the national eye test at this point. No. This team needs to take the bye week take a fresh look in the mirror and regain their focus. They've got all the talent in the world. The defense is playing phenomenal. And just really look to the offensive side of the ball. Take a look at what your identity is right now and what you want to be. Because, again, talent's there. It's just all about putting everything together and backing up the talk. They're saying all the right things at times, but it's not really showing out there on the field. It did against Boston College. I was positive after that game. I thought it was a turning point. Turns out it wasn't. Look, I've never seen a team whose identity is this, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, we get it. Oh, you know, we get. Yeah. We're going to turn on that switch, and now we're going to not turn the ball over anymore. That's not no longer going to be our identity." And I've I've seen teams like Ohio State two years ago lose to Virginia Tech in one of their first games, and then incrementally get better throughout the season. That's more of the norm, kind of what we did last year. This is baffling. What the the turnovers and the and the shooting yourself in the foot. So. I, 
let me be uh, Cody the pessimist. I don't like it. I don't. I don't. I don't have any. I don't think precedent for a team that decides. Oh, I'm going to quit turning the ball over. We're going to take on a new identity. But I hope we see it in small increments in the next four games. Yeah, for sure. And it does go to ball handling. You know, like you know, ball protection, etc. Like make those small corrections or go down instead of trying to extend a play. I mean, I, some of those things are coachable and a mentality that you can take and um, and correct. I I, I think. There's just so, like very little margin for error against a team like Florida State, but this one could have fallen the other way and tie-dye gets into the end zone, Deshaun puts it over the goal line, or you know Fuller may even have scored. Like This could have been a three-score win for us somewhat easily, but here we are talking about this again. We've had how many six-point wins? Um, this was a seven-point win. Um, just doesn't seem to be in the DNA. Could have, would have, should have. It, it yeah. is what it is. <laughs> Well, guys, we do want to get to the national action this week. There were a couple of interesting games, but I think, Ben, you want to update us on our podcast prediction challenge. So Tully and Cody, pretty close this week. Cody uh, talked himself out of a win, so ultimately it goes to Cody. It's a rigged system, obviously. It's obviously a rigged system. Tully, you picked up 19 points. You got the win. Uh, so overall this year, again, what we're battling for is the, the winner gets dinner bought for him by the two losers. Uh, the biggest loser buys the first round of bourbons. I'm currently in the lead right now, 98 points. Tully, you're right behind at 85. Cody at 61. The podcast at 59. So my question to you guys, we're seven games into the season right now. You know, we're past the halfway point. Where are we going to dinner? What dollar sign are we looking at? $2 sign? $3 sign? I'd say 3 but not $4 on okay. a $4 scale. But we could take that offline. <laughs> I've been known to dine and dash before. It's just letting you guys know. <laughs> the cheapest guy here is currently losing. Great. Hey, what was your what was your prediction on how many points we'd score against NC State? I, was I, it 50? I thought we'd score 51, and if we didn't turn the ball over four times, we would have gotten there. Do you lose points for that? I feel like you should. Ooh, no. We should recalibrate this scoring system. Yeah, I think, we'll, we'll do that season. next year. Yeah, 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 Maybe we'll do that next year. Sounds good. Um, so games around the country, there, was a, there were... Um, the real big one, I think, for national implications, or actually there were two, uh, Alabama, Tennessee. So I think everyone but the staunchest Vol supporter expected Nick Saban's team to come in and get the win. Uh, usually when Tennessee goes down early, they've found a way to come back, but Saban's teams are something like they have one loss in his entire tenure when leading by 14 points at any point in the game. Um, Clemson nearly did it as well last year, um, for the record. But they blew them out, I think, 39-point victory in Knoxville. Alabama looks like a NFL team at this point. Um, Tennessee didn't really put up a fight. They took their second loss in a row. I would hope we could eliminate them from playoff contention, but they are in the SEC. They could run the table in the East, win the SEC title game, and potentially be there. I just don't see that happening. Well, I think given what they, how they just played against Alabama, that we're not going to see them beat Alabama. Yeah, and I think right. Florida, ultimately, with their schedule, ends up uh, winning the SEC East, but hey, Alabama, they finally have a running quarterback. Um, not necessarily the best thrower in the world, but you know, kind of similar to Louisville. You know, he averaged nine yards a, a rush in this game against uh, Tennessee. Bama, they're just a team that wins in all phases of the game, and it's something yeah, they have that 11 I, special teams are defensive touchdowns. They, they had a special teams touchdown in this game, they had a defensive touchdown in this game. They outrushed Tennessee 438 to 32. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, they're, I, I think I told you guys, I, as much as I hate them, and I don't really hate them, um, but as much as I dislike them, 
I think they're better even this year than they were last year. Their defense seems to be maybe not as great at the line of scrimmage, but still elite. I think their linebacker speed and, and secondary, those guys are playing so fast. Uh, they can do things athletically that not many teams can do just because of their talent. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they score on defense. Their quarterback now is, is, is really good. And I, as much as I really do probably hate Lane Kiffin, he, I, I took just a 10-play sample when I was watching that game, and it seemed like they put him in a position to be successful. A lot of that scheme, a lot of, the, a lot of that's blocking, but they had a, a really good game plan going in to just attack Tennessee and executed you know, f- almost flawlessly. They're the gold standard in college football right now, and they may be playing even better than they were last year. Right, and I would not want to play them. I mean, you talk about a win as a win. Well, that was their win, and that's what they look on. Like you said, every phase of the game, it's, they're so sharp. Yeah, that's how they beat a top-10 team. Right. How'd we look? <laughs> Just glad we're not playing next week. We'll say that. That's right. Um, hopefully we do face them at some point, though. Uh, see what happens. And then other big game nationally was Ohio State-Wisconsin. That one was played in Madison. If you guys didn't watch that one, um, pretty good game overall. It was maybe the, a more athletic version of your standard Big Ten contest. Went to, double, or went to single overtime. Ohio State pulled that one out. Um, you know, the big takeaway is that Ohio State is a young team, but they've got JT Barrett, strong playmaker. Even after facing some adversity, he kept his head in the game and was able to lead them to a victory um, down the stretch. I was impressed with Wisconsin. I think you know we knew coming in their defense was really good, but they were able to run the ball effectively against Ohio State and potentially give other teams a template for moving the ball and uh, getting through that that defense. Led most of the game, didn't they? Yeah. Best mm-hmm. best two lots team in With the country. With a freshman quarterback, by the way. Yeah. Best two lost team in the country. Yeah, they're good. What I take from my high state is I don't I think we saw them exposed a little bit in terms of their offense where they're a little bit one dimensional, relying on the run and putting JT Barrett in passing situations. He's just not that's not his strong suit. However He did have a dime though in the fourth quarter. He had some I mean, he's not he's not, you know, he's not Georgia Tech's quarterback. So I mean he, he can he can pass. So um, but I think that when they become a little bit one-dimensional and you have good uh, a good front seven, a dominant front seven like Wisconsin did, you can stymie their offense a little bit. Um, and I think Clemson would potentially f- uh, match up well with them because of that. Uh, but yeah, their their defense it's it's clicking. Wisconsin, like you said, is not it's they're not fraudulent. They're they're a really good two-loss team with some with some athletic guys that you know more so than I realized on offense. What I take from Ohio State is that they're, they're a really, really young team this year. Everybody said that. We knew that going in. But they're performing, and they're performing at a really high level. And it's unfortunately something I don't think Clemson is really doing right now. Chalk that up in my mind to the caliber of talent they brought in, but coaching and the ability to make that gel from the start, win in some tough road spots. I mean, they, they blew out Oklahoma, and here they – faced a really strong Wisconsin team and got the win with a bunch of freshmen and a bunch of like redshirt freshmen. Um, pretty impressive job from Urban Meyer and his staff. You know, and as the season continues, we'll see if they can do that against a more experienced Michigan team. Uh, but they're definitely one to watch. Should be fun. Guys, I guess the only other sort of national thing that is relevant in terms of a playoff race for Clemson is who, who could we face in a prospective ACC title game coming out of the coastal? A couple of results were interesting. You know, Miami coming off that tough Florida state loss, uh, took a pretty tough loss to North Carolina. And there are a couple of replays and ref, you know, questionable referee calls that I saw, but 
ultimately that losing two in a row might have eliminated them from coastal contention. Puts North Carolina back on the map with only one loss. Granted, they lost last week to Virginia Tech, another contender. Virginia Tech went into the Carrier Dome and lost at Syracuse. Yeah, and that was a little bit surprising. Uh, you know, the Coastal Division this year is, is really back and forth, but in a good way, where in years past, it seemed like nobody wanted to win it. They just kept losing. Like, there's teams winning this year, and they're beating each other up, and there's some good games. Um, you know, you mentioned in Miami, which was the Coastal's highest-ranked team coming into their game yesterday, now has two losses, and essentially they're probably out of contention in that division because of the three other teams with one loss. Um, you know, those being UNC, Virginia Tech, and Pitt. And looking ahead for Clemson, uh, who we might play in the ACC championship game, if we assume that we beat Pitt, let's just assume for the, for the sake of argument, uh, then we're looking at either North Carolina rematch with them or a Virginia Tech team who has been playing pretty good this year. Um, we're not a shoo-in for the playoff. You know, playing like this, like we did against NC State, and I think we could lose the ACC championship game. We saw it come close against North Carolina last year. It could happen this year, unless we get better. I, I think uh, in terms of who we match up with, I, I, I like us in a matchup against Virginia Tech. I think we, I think we, we can at least hold. Uh, we could say uh, strive for strive with them in, in the trenches, and then I think we have better playmakers on the outside. I, I, th- I like us against Miami. We're more disciplined. Their defense is still rebuilding. I think we could potentially exploit that. North Carolina is the one team that gives me a little bit of fear. Uh, I think. With their spread offense and playmakers, um, they could go toe to toe with us in a situation where we ca- are coughing the ball up on offense. They could put up points against this. Yeah, um, they'll make you hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just I, I think there's some good teams. The only one that really gives me a concern is is North Carolina. Uh, breaking news, so to speak. Not really unexpected. Clemson drops to number four in the AP poll. Michigan jumps us. So, not that it matters at this point, but and not that it was again unexpected. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we've still got a couple of weeks left till the playoff committee releases their first ranking. That'll be after the Florida State game. So we'll see what we've got there. Coming out of that with a definitive win would do would do wonders for getting us into the, the top four in the country. But at this point, I mean, mentally, let me ask you guys, maybe this can be a, a final thought, you know, should we expect to be in the playoff at this point? Do you, do you expect us to be in the playoff? We've got the talent to be. All we have to do is win out. If we win out, we're in. No what, doubt in my mind. What should we expect? I don't know. That's kind of a loaded question. I, I don't. Do we feel Will like we win out, Cody? Yeah. Well, if that's the question, yeah. I mean, I think, I think we may get a loss to Florida State, but I still think we would have a seat at the table if we win the ACC championship game. I think that's the biggest question mark on our schedules going in there. Tallahassee, always a tough place to play. Listen, they've eked by recently in a few games. Uh, you know, they just barely beat Wake Forest, seventeen to six, over the weekend in Tallahassee. This isn't your granddad's Wake Forest either. I mean, they're somewhat improved, but, but you gotta you gotta beat them by more at home. Exactly. And listen, we have a bye week, but so does Florida State, so they're going to come in fresh as well. Their defense is. Uh, is starting to get healthy, so it's going to be a tough challenge. We make it through that game with a win, then I'm looking pretty favorably at us for the rest of the year. I mean, we do have Pitt and Syracuse on the schedule, which aren't going to be – we're not going to be able to kind of overlook them, obviously, as we saw in the NC State game, but I think we're set up well. The talent's there. We should run the table. There's no reason why we shouldn't. Just hold on to the damn ball, and we're beating teams by a lot more. Yeah. Um. I'm not sure. I, I could easily see us come through with, with a loss, and I think that, that may eliminate Clemson from playoff contention, One loss. One loss, ACC I'm not sure 
that one loss on the road to Florida State, who is still a good team, you go through and win the ACC championship, listen, Ohio State or Michigan, one of them is going to end up with a loss. I, I still think it's possible. It'll be interesting if it's a one-loss Michigan, one-loss Ohio State that has performed better game in, game out all year than Clemson, and we're, we have the conference championship tag. They take the best four teams is what they say. And our loss would be against potentially, we'll say, Florida State, and their loss okay. would be against a top-five team. So, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Those might be considered equal, and then maybe you have the championship game. You know, winning a championship yeah. is a factor there. But um, Well, I think the thing you got something to watch you got to look at is who would that other fourth team be? Are you saying it comes down between Clemson and Michigan? Because yeah, then you, that's exactly what we're saying. Well, but you look, the but, but, then who, but who else? I mean, that's four teams we're talking about, Bama, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson. So you still have Washington, A&M uh, trying to battle. Louisville's not going to jump us and get in. Baylor, they haven't lost a game yet. Yeah. But I mean, I think does it come down between ex- Washington and Texas A&M? Would we be number four or number five is, I guess, the question. Yeah. And – you need three other teams. We're assuming Washington or maybe Washington State gets in there. It could be Washington at this point. They're looking really good. I right. think it is Washington, yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a weak Pac-12. They just need to run the table. And they'll have some tough road tests, including going to Pullman in their rivalry game for the Apple Cup. So it's way too early to be talking about projections here. Um, I think, you know, let's, let's enjoy this bye week off. Let's watch some national games. There should be some good ones on. And um, let's get that win in Tallahassee. And with that, thank you again, and go Tigers.